<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. And uh, to open our show on the line with us, our old friend, Senator Sherrod Brown, uh, brilliantly representing the state of Ohio. Brown.senate.gov is the website. You can tweet him at Sen, S-E-N, as in Senator, Sen Sherrod Brown, S-H-E-R-R-O-D Brown. Senator Brown, welcome back to the program. Thanks. Good to be back. And thank, thank you always for your analysis. I just thought what you said about the influence on climate change, you know, the Republican Party changed. I mean, they were never great, but they were pretty good on climate change a decade ago. And there was, you know, there was not agreement of human cause, but there was a lot of different discussions and different positions in the party. And the Koch brothers basically changed that as they've done on the tax bill. I mean, you, you hear these stories on the tax bill that, that um, Republicans are calling their contributors and their big, big, big contributors, the gazillionaires, the decamillionaires it up, and they're saying, don't call me for money again unless you pass my tax bill. And that's why they're doing it. And that's why they're writing it the way they are. You know, 62% of the, uh, I know this, 62% of the benefits from this tax bill go to the richest 1%. And even the Bush tax cuts, which you and I have talked about in the past, Tom, it was only 27% went to the super rich. So it's just, this is just outrageous, as you know. Yeah, it truly is. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a new term uh, enter our lexicon, uh, it, the morbidly rich. Because uh, I think that we have a serious problem in the, in this oh, like country. That, morbidly rich. Yeah, that is it's good. It, yeah, it's it, it's it's metastasized. It's it's amazing. But but the the not only is the tax plan an abomination, but the Republicans uh, are up to their old tricks in terms of trying to screw working people out of their pensions. Um, yeah. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing over again. I mean, there's this this war, and I I know that that word's thrown around maybe a little too much in politics, but this is a really concerted effort by, again, the far right, and the far right drives this party, the Tea Party, the Freedom Caucus in the House, the billionaire contributors, and again, it's it's billionaires, it's not just the old, you know, your father's millionaire or deck of millionaires, it really is the richest of all, and, and there's, been a, there's been an attack on workers, so you saw what recently happened at uh, Chipotle, 
when they um, when 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 Chipotle went after when when they they gave a raise to their generally pretty low income workers and the stock market punished them the same in American Airlines so there is this effort to go after wages well there's this effort now with pensions and um, our legislation which Democrats have coalesced around we're working to get a handful of Republicans on board um, will restore for Teamsters for mine workers. Uh, the pensions that they've earned, and they've, you know, they've worked 30. You, you, you know this. People don't think about this much. You certainly know it, Tom. That workers at the bargaining table give up future wages. I mean, give up present wages to have future pension and, and to have health care. So you're at the bargaining table, and you say, well, we would rather than having this two dollar an hour raise, we'll put it in a pension fund, and our employer will match it, and they go that way. And now that 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 commitment, that promise is being broken. My understanding, Senator, is that prior to the Reagan era, that uh, uh, corporations that controlled pension funds had to book those pensions as liabilities on their balance sheet, money that they owed their employees at some point in the future. And that uh, through, I I don't uh, honestly know if it was a legislative fix or an administrative fix, but during the 80s, that got flipped so that corporations could book their pensions as assets rather than liabilities. And that's when, when uh, you know, some of these uh, giant predators, you know, Carl Icahn with TWA, and we saw it with Eastern, we saw it with American, um, airline after airline, and that was just one industry. I mean, this was right across the board in all industries. Um, suddenly, they became great takeover targets because they had all this money sitting in their pension funds. And if you took over the company, drained the pension fund, and then bankrupted the company, there was no consequence to you because that money was now an asset instead of a liability. And, and I mean, it used to be that our pensions were protected. Can we get back to that? Well, that's, that's the goal. I, I, the other thing that's happened, because of that threat of the you know, the, 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 the vultures, if you will, uh, more and more companies, not just because of that, because it saved the money, shedded the defined pension benefit and instead have a 401k where the company may look pretty generous because it matches a 401k up to five, up to 5%. That's fairly typical. Sometimes they match a dollar for every two you put in, but whatever it is, it never, it, it almost never reaches nearly the, the security or the value of a defined pension benefit. So you're just seeing it's it's pretty rare to have a defined pension benefit, meaning that defined benefit, meaning when you retire, you're guaranteed X number of dollars per month. A defined contribution is you put money in, and there's no guarantee how much there will be for you in the end. And, and one of the tragedies of 10 years ago, about which um, most Republicans in the Senate have collective amnesia, just seem to forget what happened. But 10 years ago, a whole lot of people, um, because of Wall Street overreach and greed, people lost not just their jobs, but their homes and much of their, of the value of their, of their holdings, whether it was 401k or what was in these pension funds for the Teamsters, the central states funds and all that. So, but you're right, the companies, the companies, once they shifted that way, there's been this continued war on, on the defined pension benefit. And perhaps, I guess you could call it brilliant by the, the, those companies that, that did that. But ultimately, you saw then all these pensions dumped into the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is a really important entity that companies pay into. But they simply don't have the money to pay to make up for the loss and the loss in pensions um, so, that so many of these funds have. So, what specifically is it that needs to be done in Congress? If if, if people want to be citizen activists and call their members of the uh, of the House or Senate and and say, please do something about this. 
what specifically should they say with regard to this pen- this whole well, pension it, issue? It's, it's, um, it's pension bill that Richie Neal from um, Massachusetts House member and I um, have, have introduced. Um, we're working to get, uh, we think we're going to have Republican support for it at the end, enough to convince um, McConnell and Ryan to support it. Um, our bill is S2147, and it will restore the pension for what's, well, I won't go into great detail, but um, the restore the pension for literally hundreds of thousands of workers, hundreds of thousands of people who paid in 30 and 40 years. Uh, in, in about a, actually, it's about a million and a half total workers, and uh, if you're particularly Teamsters, mine workers, carpenters, um, uh, for, uh, workers in a baker, baker's workers, a whole bunch of workers, and, right. and that, that have had these funds. Anyway, they could, they could coalesce around 21, for best 2147. Uh, Brown Neal is the bill, and um, we, we hope to get it in the end of the year deal. That's, it's, it's one of the, yet, and, and the, the dreamers are the two top democratic priorities um, before we adjourn at the end of the year. Pensions and the dreamers. That, yeah. that you know that, that that makes perfect sense. Yeah, the, uh, these are these are these are really fundamentally, as you know, Tom. These are these are moral issues. I mean, with the dreamers, these are kids that are they're doing exactly what we want. They're in the military. They're they're serving our country. And they're they're working full time. They're in school. They have the work ethic overwhelmingly that immigrants have. Young immigrants in this country have done so much to contribute to the country. And why would we do what this president? Just the mean spiritedness of that towards the dreamers, and why would we take these pensions that, that older workers have earned? Yeah, it's, it's all pretty beth- breathtaking, and, and, and apparently the answer, we, we just have 20 seconds here, is that uh, they're taking it because they can. Yeah, well, that's what they did in the Reagan years. They took it because they can, and, and it undercut the economic security of so many, and this is, this is worse because of, of the stagnation of wages. Um, yes. overall, so people just can't build, build a nest egg for the future without some assistance. Which this tax bill is not going to help. This tax bill does the reverse of it, absolutely. Wow. Amazing. Senator Sherrod Brown, um, uh, Senator, you are doing such great work. We're so grateful that you're in the Senate and that you would come on our program and say hi. Of course. Uh, we, will, we will uh, spread the word far and wide. <laughs> Senator Sherrod Brown. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, great, great talking with you. And uh, brown.senate.gov is his website, and you can tweet him at Brown. We'll be back with more of the news of the day and your calls right after this. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Today is the big day for net neutrality. We'll continue that conversation after this, too. back. Ajit Pai will lose. Uh, Evan Greer writing today from uh, fightforthefuture.org. Uh, today, the FCC is expected to vote to gut net neutrality, but uh, battle for the net, team internet, and uh, demand progress, fight for the future, the Free Press Action Fund. Uh, they're announcing a massive internet-wide campaign to demand that our elected officials in Congress use a what's called a resolution of disapproval under the Congressional Review Act. Now, the Congressional Review Act was put into place by Congress, uh, by Republicans in Congress specifically, to make it possible for Congress to overturn excessive regulations, as it were, 
from executive branch agencies. So if the EPA, uh, you know, the, if the, the EPA has given broad, uh, a broad mandate, for example, you can, you can deal with pollution. So the EPA decides, well, we're going to decide that carbon dioxide is part of pollution. Hadn't been part of the law, but the EPA gets to make the rules because that's what the law says. The EPA makes the rules. So the EPA makes that rule. At that point, Congress could, under the Congressional Oversight uh, Law, Congress could come in, the Congressional Review Act, the CRA, Congress could come in and say, no, nah, we didn't really mean carbon dioxide. We were just talking about soot. And they can actually change the rules that have been put into place by regulatory agencies. So one of those regulatory agencies is the FCC. And the FCC is fixing, presumably today, to vote to gut net neutrality protections. And if not today, someday soon. Ajit Pai, former Verizon lawyer, is the head of the FCC. There's three men who are Republicans on the FCC and two women who are Democrats. The two women who are Democrats are saying, we need a free and open internet. The three men who are Republicans are saying, we need to turn the internet over to a half a dozen giant corporations so that they can make huge profits that they will recycle back to the Republican Party. I got an email from, uh, via the Sanders Institute uh, from Robert Reich. And Robert Reich says, you know, if and when this happens, it's going to, number one, drive up prices for internet service. He says, broadband providers can charge customers higher rates to access certain sites or raise rates for internet co companies to reach consumers at faster speeds. Either way, those price hikes get passed along to you. Number two, it'll give corporate executives, this would be in the internet service business, free reign to slow down and censor news or websites that don't match their political agenda or give preference to their own content for any reason or for any reason at all. And number three, it'll stifle innovation. Cable companies could severely hurt their competitors by blocking specific apps or online services, and small businesses who can't afford to pay higher rates could be squeezed out altogether. But if Congress passes a resolution of disapproval under the Congressional Review Act, they can force the FCC or, or basically override the FCC's decision on net neutrality. This would be a first step. Then the second step would be to actually pass a law saying that the internet in the United States is considered a public utility and is regulated under Title II of the Communications, the Telecommunications Act, which is what Tom Wheeler put into place back in 2015 and is basically how the internet had been operating right up until 2015. But now you've got these big multi-billion dollar corporations that are coming in and saying, now we want our piece of this. It's pretty incredible. McWayne in uh, Chino Valley, Arizona. Hey, McWayne, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. You know, it occurs to me the, these fires in uh, California are an evident demonstration of the corruption of the Republican cult. Um, while men and women are risking their lives to save multi-million dollar estates, in particular in Bel Air, at the same time, the, the Republican tax scam is through various scurious means of pocket picking are, are taking money from these firefighters and giving it to the owners of, of these multi-million dollar estates. It's true. As well denying climate catastrophe, which is the catalyst yep. for these fires. It's, it's, it's barbaric. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very, very good description. And, and you're absolutely right, uh, the, this, this tax bill. I don't know if you've seen the uh, Tom the Dancing Bug cartoon today. But uh, it's, uh, you, you can find it all over the net. I saw it over at Daily Kos. 
And, uh, you know, the, the little bill, you know, I'm just a bill, right? The, the, the wrapped up piece of paper, animated piece of paper. He says, okay, let's go off and, and, and be a bill. We'll be the, we'll be the uh, tax bill. And these two uh, lobbyists throw him in the backseat of a limousine and say, rip out the future tax cuts for the middle class. And they rip a piece off of him. And he goes, ah! And then they say, tear out education deductions. And, ah! Stuff in tax breaks for wineries, golf courses, private jets. Rip out health care. Right in a clause defining a fetus as a person. Make Cory Gardner happy. And then, you know, the, the bill is like just <laughs> trashed at that point. So, but that's, that's, that's what's going on. Yeah, they, uh, they, their governance seems to be equal parts barbarity and predatory. They, at the behest of their masters, are, are literally preying upon those they see as unworthy and, yep. and disposable. It's all about doing the bidding of the morbidly rich. That's what's going on. And, and, and that the morbidly rich are, are driving some really, really, truly dangerous policies in this country. McWayne, thanks for the call. Very well said. We'll be back. Uh, Julio Rivera is going to drop by. We'll have a, a short discussion and then pick up your phone calls right after this. Stick around. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Back with more of your calls and Julio right after this. Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Super Beets. Only Super Beets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Super Beets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Super Beets for free, plus indicator strips to see how Super Beets is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeets.com on the interwebs. Welcome back. Tom Harvin here with you. Okay, we've got a couple of pieces of legislation here that the Republicans are pushing. Uh, well, one's a piece of legislation, the other's an administrative action by the FCC. Uh, uh, the first is the tax bill, which rips out health care for 13 million Americans, uh, stuffs in huge tax breaks for wineries, golf courses. Gee, who do we know who owns a bunch of golf courses? And private jets. Gee, who do we know who owns private jet? Uh, it tears out education deductions. In fact, it raises taxes on anybody who wants to be, you know, be a graduate student. Uh, and the tax cuts for the middle class that everybody, you know, that the Republicans are all talking about expire after 10 years. So the tax cuts for rich people are permanent. The tax cuts for corporations permanent. Tax cuts for human beings, you know, who are not in the, who are in the 99% temporary. So you would think that Republicans would be upset about that, number one. And number two, the FCC is about to take an action that will allow Comcast to say that, you know, uh, Newsmax, Reactionary Times, we don't like the politics of those sites, so we're going to slow down your access to them. We might even block them. Or, hey, you know, let's make some money off our right-wing users. 
and say, if you want to see Julio Rivera's column or his rants on TV, uh, you're going to have to pay extra. That's part of the extra $5 right-wing plan. On the line with us, Julio Rivera, the editorial director of Reactionary Times, columnist for Newsmax, right-wing news and politics. ReactionaryTimes.com is the website. You can tweet him at, oh, yeah, it's Julio. Hey, Julio, welcome back. Well, I do have a question, Tom. Am I getting any of that five bucks? Five bucks. What am I missing? No, no, you just said that if you want to, if you want to hear my rants, you got to pay an extra five bucks. So am I somehow? Yeah. If you think, if you think Comcast, if you think Comcast is going to share that money with you, I've got a bridge to sell you, Julio. Yeah, no, no, this is what I did, what I think. Um, And as as far as the net neutrality uh, issue, we know for a fact, and this is something that we've discussed before, we discussed it with, you know, our pal Charlie uh, Sauer as well. The, the, the actual regulations and the, the way that it was written has been an, an, an impediment to the growth of smaller Internet service providers in the middle of the country. That's a, a big problem, and that's what's going to cause ultimately a monopolization of only these large Internet service providers are going to be the only game in town because the smaller guys haven't been able to operate. The points that you're making as far as giving preference to certain sites over other sites, those are fair points. And that is a part of the entire concept of net neutrality or kind of really what it is in essence. But that's not what this legislation had actually, has actually done, Tom. What legislation? You're talking Title II? Net neutrality rules You're talking the FCC? In 2015. Right, okay, that was not that legislation. We had net neutrality, and what we're going to do is we're going to get rid of it now. No, in 2015, the FCC, there were new rules that were put in that it wasn't done by Congress. The American people had nothing to do with it, and that net neutrality came into effect in 2015. That's what a chip pie, and he's always railed against it, even when he was an attorney. For um, There was a, an advocacy group for smaller ISPs that have always been opposed to net neutrality, and he actually, there's quotes on the Internet. You can go out and look them up as far as why he took that position. He Julio, this is the same kind of BS that I hear Republicans using trying to sell tax cuts. Competition, like most government regulation does. Julio, this is the same BS that I hear Republicans using trying to sell tax cuts. It's all about small businesses. Small ISPs are big defenders of net neutrality. I, I, I know two, actually, no, one here in Portland. They absolutely are not. They're, they're extremely outspoken. And the only reason the smaller ISPs are even hanging on is because there are a few areas in this country where, there, where there's still you know, some diversity in what you, can, what you can bring into your home. But the reality is more than 50% of American households only have access to one internet service provider unless they go yeah. out and buy some sort of Wi-Fi or excuse me, some sort of 3G or LTE hotspot that then they get to, to have a second source that's another one of the big five carriers. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, we've been, you know, we were operating under Title II for the Internet right up until the late 90s, the early 2000s, because most people access the Internet through dial-up, which put it over a telephone line, which automatically put it under Title II. That's why there was no discussion about net neutrality or not net neutrality, because the net was neutral by law as long as we were using telephones for ISPs. The assumption was across the industry that as we move to getting it out of our cable systems, and they're also regulated to a, to a less vigorous extent, but they're also regulated as, as utilities to an extent, that, that that would extend. And, you know, now they're trying to change the rules of the game. And it's, I think it's just absolutely wrong. I don't, I don't understand why you would be defending the interests of Comcast, Verizon, and AT&T, Julio. I thought you, were sta- you stood up for the little guy. 
Well, that's no. See, you're getting it wrong again. The end result, and and we, like I said, we've discussed this before. Five billion dollars in new infrastructure spending to improve the services in the middle of the country uh, in, has been lost. I mean, we this money. It, it's not like these businessmen sit around and say, you know what? Let's try to make you know this 2015 passage of this supposed net neutrality under Barack Obama look bad. We're going to lose money, but let's spite Barack Obama. That's not the way businesses work. You know, the end result is that that money's been lost. That could have been new jobs. It could have been better better level of service in the middle of the country. That's nonsense. Like, look, I'm in, I'm in the outskirts of New York, you know, kind of in West New Jersey here. My upload speed is only uh, 12 megabits. And I'm not that far from New York City. It's terrible because I'm in a rural area. Right. You're you making know, my they, point. They could have been spending, I could have You're making my point, Julio. You know, you, you, back in back in the 1930s, the electric companies refused to bring electricity into rural areas. You know what the government did? Mm-hmm. We created the Rural Electrification Administration, the REA. Franklin Roosevelt created it and said, OK, if the if the for profit corporations aren't going to bring, you know, high quality electricity out to rural areas, we we the taxpayers will. And we did. Mm-hmm. And then in the 1950s, as it became more and more obvious that in order to have a telephone uh, you know, the, t- the telephone was a safety device, you know, dial 911, call the fire department, call, you know, in an emergency. And, and again, the telephone companies refused to run their lines out to rural areas because it wasn't profitable. We had the Rural Telephony Administration under the Eisenhower administration, the RTA, and we, the taxpayers, paid for that. And in both cases, the for-profit companies came in behind us and said, oh, now that you've paid for the infrastructure, we'll pick this up and profit off it which is a whole nother argument. But but really, I mean, look at what Chattanooga did, Julio. If you live in Chattanooga, Tennessee right now, you've got the highest speed, lowest priced internet in the United States. 100 MIPS up, 100 MIPS down. And and I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And, and, and super low prices, 30, 40 bucks a month at the most. And, and why? Because the city decided to put it in without the overhead of Comcast, Verizon, AT&T, all their executives, their multimillionaire and billionaire owners and, and stockholders and all this other stuff. And it's well, just for the people. Why don't we do that nationally? Why don't you call for public well, broadband? It sounds like what you want is you want the government to fully take over the Internet, which I don't, I don't agree with either. But listen, that's it's not a takeover. It's providing. I think what we could do as far as to ensure that there aren't Internet service providers or, or, or um, you know, um, basically, uh, and nobody's trying to stifle anyone under, you know, in, in a malicious way. If there were certain rewrites of the Communications Decency Act requiring, you know, any slowing down of a website or anything, or, or, or the prevention of certain, you know, material not going from, you know, or not being broadcast on the Internet, you know, requires a good faith requirement. There's other ways to go around it without... Yeah, the other ways to go around it involves in hundreds... There's not really legislation. It wasn't passed through Congress, but whatever these rules that were put into place by, you know, privately by the, or publicly by the FCC, but it wasn't... Done, Julio, just, just, know, the, the, just, the, the just for the record, just, nothing you know, to do with the process. just for the record, for people who... Just return back to where we were before 2015. Yeah, I got it. Just for the record, for people who might be confused, um, the Telecommunications Act both of 1996 and going all the way back to the 1920s, contained a part called Title II, which says that mm-hmm. telephone companies regulated, yeah. regulated under Title II are considered utilities and therefore cannot be specifically exploited for the profit of a particular actor. They have to be for the, for the good of the people. 
And, and I understand, but the internet is not a utility, Tom. Yes, That's it is. Problem. Yes, it it's is. Entertainment. It's not a necessity for life. It's not heat. It's that's not that's water. the argument it's that the phone companies made Nobody's back in the day, back fun. back in the 30s. The phone companies said, "No, we're we're you know we're just here for fun. We're here so that you can have a nice talk with your grandma or your girlfriend." And and you know we the people well, didn't buy to call it. the police with a smoke signal. You know what I mean? It's a different telecommunications in a sense is a little bit different as far as the telephone aspect of it. But internet itself. At its pure. Okay, you know, so if you want, so it's, so it's okay, just you know, just just to nail this down, you're fine being under the thumb of the big internet companies. Is, is carried through internet lines, then maybe we can open up that discussion again. Okay, we're we're starting to talk in circles. The tax, we have one minute left, Julio. Okay, are 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 you supporting I, this? I don't, I don't like the tax, tax plan bill. for individuals. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that what Trump initially proposed, which was you know twelve percent up to eighty thousand. 25% up to about four, 400,000, and then, um, you know, 33% over 400,000. That was good for the individuals. I think that was a big part of what got him elected. Unfortunately, the message didn't make it to the legislators in Congress who wrote this horrible tax plan, which in a sense really only really helps big business. But big business will help the little guy by producing more jobs. So one way or the other, it is going to be better than what we had, but it certainly isn't as good as it could have been. You know, GE's stock just went up. Right after they laid off, what, 5,000 people last week? 12,000 people. They laid off 12,000 people. Their stock went up. How is it the big business creates jobs? Mm-hmm. Well, they do if they're in a, in a climate which is less regulated. So that they can move their jobs overseas, you mean? To go ahead and, and, and grow their business because they're going to keep more of their money. That's basic, Tom. I mean, you can, you can go out and cherry pick one or two examples and, you know, try to throw a curveball. But Please. the fact of the matter is... Yeah, Julio, you cannot name you cannot name a company that created jobs because they got a tax cut. I defy you to. If if there was such a thing as a company that created jobs because they got a tax cut, every conservative in America would be going, you know, AT and T, 1984. Right? It didn't happen. Julio Rivera, hang on just a second, Julio. Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. ReactionaryTimes.com. Oh, yeah, it's Julio is the Twitter handle. Julio, thanks for being with us. Thank you as always, Tom. Have a great Christmas. Thanks, you too. Merry Christmas. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And uh, right now, a couple of rather shocking headlines. Uh, These are both from The Guardian. One, the world's richest one-tenth of one percent have boosted their wealth by as much as the poorest half of the world's citizens. And the other, almost 100 million people a year forced to choose between food and health care. Meanwhile, this bizarre tax bill that is uh, working its way through Congress or through the uh, through the House-Senate reconciliation process, uh, it's pretty extraordinary. Let's check in with Professor Richard Wolf, an, econ- an actual real economist, the co-founder of Democracy at Work. His most recent book, Capitalism's Crisis Deepens, Essays on the Global Economic Meltdown. His uh, website's democracyatwork.info and rdwolf with two fs.com. You can tweet him at Prof. Wolf, as in Professor Wolf, P-R-O-F-W-O-L-F-F, or at Democracy, at W-R-K. Professor Wolf, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tom. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Uh, First of all, your thoughts on on these these headlines, these articles from The Guardian, 
Uh, inequality report shows the UK's richest 50,000 people have seen their shares of the country's wealth double since 1984. W- what is going on and why is it worldwide when mostly the U.S. and the U.K. had Reagan and Thatcher? Did the whole world adopt Reaganomics? Well, in a way, yes. Uh, and the reason is, is really pretty simple to see, that the, uh, the people in the United States and Britain who stood to gain, as you yourself have pointed out, over the last 35 years from rising productivity that they didn't have to share with the mass of the rest of the people in, the, in a rising uh, ability for them to enjoy a higher standard of living, and they have to take it all themselves, and the United States then becomes the uh, most unequal society in the world. One of the things that does is create an enormous incentive for the people who run the corporations in Europe and Asia and Africa and Latin America uh, to want to emulate that, to try to undo the social welfare systems they have in their countries, to try to change uh, the pattern in order to keep up, in a sense, with the Joneses here in the United States and in England. And so, yes, it has spread all over the world, depending on how much resistance the people in each country uh, uh, put up to that. The inequality, though, is, is the real the real key to this story that we have now been living for an entire generation in an economic system uh, that is unbelievably successful in making the rich richer and everybody else uh, either poorer or stagnant in their situation to substitute wages uh, by putting everybody in a huge personal debt. Uh, for your credit card, your home, your car, and now even in many parts of the world for your kids' education. This is a, if, if anything was an indictment of an economic system not working for the majority of the people, this inequality report by Thomas Piketty and his associates um, is the evidence, the smoking gun, whatever you want to call it, that this is a system that we ought to be debating and, and criticizing rather than pretending that it is the normal that we all have to accept. And yet the Trump administration and the Republicans in Congress want to double down on trickle-down. You've got Stephen Moore out there quoting a a, a relatively obscure speech that Jack Kennedy gave to the uh, Economic Club of, uh, I think it was New York, uh, in 63. Um, Kennedy at that point seems to have drunk the Kool-Aid. In in, 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 uh, 1960 in the debate, he said he wanted to to close loopholes, to increase revenues, to spend more on education, more on housing. I'm, you know, I've, I've played that clip a million times. Um, uh, but uh, they're, they're, they're doubling down on this. Uh, what will be the result of that? Well, you know, here's the thing that mystifies so many of us. And when I say us, I don't mean just one side of the political spectrum in, among economists. I talk to right-wing economists, center economists, left-wing economists, And I'm struck, as they are, by the following agreement amongst us. We do not agree on how we got into this mess, and we do not agree on how to get out of it. But we do agree that the conditions of the American economy are unspeakably bad, and they have gotten worse over the last 30 years, and this tax law will make you know, the rich richer and the rest of us poorer, instead of reacting and correcting for what's been going on, it continues. It it leaves you with the impression of a system so uh, skewed to the rich 
that it's spinning out of control. It is folks who have already more than they know what to do with insisting on doing more so they have even still more in a kind of lunacy that makes you think of uh, uh, the Midas touch or other stories like that when people literally destroy themselves because there's no counterbalancing in the society. Look at the centerpiece of this tax bill. To cut corporate profits from 35% as their official rate down to 20 to 22. Corporate tax. Almost 50% cut in corporate taxes. At the end of a period of time when corporations are richer and more profitable than they've ever been, when they have gained more of the society's wealth over the last 30 years than at any comparable time in our history, why in the world? Would you do more of that? Isn't this a classic example of overreach? I mean, they've got everything, and so they're grabbing everything else. You know, they've got all their cookies. Now they're going after the crumbs kind of thing, number one. And number two, we have, you you mentioned, this this has been going on for a whole generation. And the consequential generation, the generation that's been on the receiving end of of Reaganomics, essentially, and I think we should we should call that out because that's really where, in my opinion, that's where a lot of this began. I get it, Jimmy Carter. You know, the last two years he was deregulating things. He was starting to drink the Kool Aid, but really, this was Reaganomics. Um, is the millennials? The millennials are totally whacked. I mean, you know, they they're they're in debt. They they're they're postponing having kids. They're postponing getting married. They're postponing buying houses. Uh, and 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 there's and a lot of them are sitting around going, oh, the boomers did this to us. It wasn't the boomers; it was the billionaires. Absolutely. Your thoughts? And, and you know, I wonder, and I worry to myself as an American. We are now becoming an outlier, not only in inequality, but in the predictable consequences of inequality. For example creating one obstacle after another for our young people to get the skill and the training that college and universities and graduate programs uh, produce. You know, the colleges and universities are where you create the quality and the quantity of, of skilled labor. And every economist I know of all persuasions is convinced that the future of the American economy in a world system requires us to have uh, good quality and good quantity of trained people. But we now put that whole generation into debt. If they're going to get this degree, we are now in this new tax bill about to make graduate students pay taxes on money they don't even see, the, the tuition waiver uh, position of the House on, on this subject. What is it? We're, we're crazy. The Germans and the Finns, for example, in Europe, have gone the opposite direction to make tuition at all schools zero in order not to indebt their young right. people. Plus, they give the, the students a stipend. It. Yep. It's, just a, it's an incredible spectacle of spinning out of control that I think we're all observers of as we watch this bill go through. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, that's so true. In those countries, uh, in Germany and Finland, it, and, and, and many other countries, they'll actually pay students a small stipend to go to, go to college, you know, for their housing and their books Absolutely. and things. So, and, and they understand the social benefits and the economic benefits of doing this as being, in the end, good for everybody, including the well-off people. And so they're not into quite the level of evil kind of redistribution of wealth from the bottom and the middle to the top, uh, because they see in the long run, this is literally self-defeating. Yeah. Amen. Professor Richard Wolf, thank you so much for being with us, uh, Richard. Great having you with us today. 
Good to talk to you, Tom, and look forward to the next time. Thank you. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. You can tweet Professor Wolf at Prof. Richard, at Prof. Wolf. Excuse me, at... Yeah, and Prof. Wolf. There you go. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And quite the day. I think it's worth revisiting. This is, this is uh, from the day before yesterday, the USA Today editorial board. But things seem to move so fast, right? It's like every day there's a new outrage. Every day it's like Donald Trump said what? He tweeted what? He did what? You know, it's, it's like, really? Uh, Ajit Pai just blew up the Internet. You've got, you know, the, the tax bill is coming out of conference committee. But the but the but the president, uh, Donald Trump, when he went after Kirsten Gillibrand. It was for the newspaper USA Today. This is Gannett. This is a conservative corporation. It was for this newspaper a bridge too far. And they wrote an op-ed, this is in the voice of the editorial board of USA Today, saying with his latest tweet, clearly implying that a United States senator would trade sexual favors for his campaign cash, President Trump has shown he is not fit for office. They talk about how Obama and Bush both broke promises and told untruths, but the basic decency of each man was never in doubt. In fact, there's a piece in, I think it's the Times, that no, maybe the Washington Post, one or the other, about how often Donald Trump lies versus all the, quote, lies of uh, Barack Obama. And they actually chronicle, I think, eight times that Obama did not tell the truth. And they, they were fairly innocuous things. I mean, it was just literally getting stuff wrong that he later corrected. Whereas Trump is like literally lying every day. They went on to say a president who'd all but call a senator a whore is unfit to clean toilets in Obama's presidential library or to shine George W. Bush's shoes. And uh, so much the case. By the way, we had our our poll on YouTube uh, mobile community yesterday. Our poll was the end of net neutrality could see your ISP charging you extra for Netflix and Amazon Prime for the ISP's profit or slow you down so much you won't be able to watch. And uh, 2% of people say, that's fine, I'll pay for the lack of net neutrality. 1% said, never heard of net neutrality. 97% or 90, close to 98% said, no way, net neutrality must stay in place. This was our, con- our, our poll. Uh, Matthew uh, Upchurch posted a comment on our on, on our feed. He said the internet is the modern means of production. This is a bourgeois attempt to control them. Melanie DeLong said it should be a public utility, not controlled by a corporation. C.J. Johnson said information and knowledge shouldn't be only for the wealthy. Anthony Kerwood, Kirkwood said uh, just another way to take money out of our pockets. When is enough enough? Excellent points all. When is enough? enough. It's remarkable. Timothy in Portland, Oregon, listening on X-Ray FM. Hey, Timothy, what's on your mind today? Hey, how's it going, Tom? Good. What's up? Good. 
Um, so I just wanted to respond to one of your last uh, callers. Uh, said he was living in uh, West Seattle, and um, he has slow internet. Um, I'm a fiber optic splicer. I've, I've uh, dealt considerably with um, CenturyLink and have installed a great deal of the network there in Seattle. So I know that's totally untrue, um, but that's not the main. I believe he was in a West Seattle suburb, and he was complaining oh, okay. that he yeah, can only yeah. get DSL. Okay. That, that makes more sense. They are trying to push out uh, fiber to uh, the suburbs more and more. Okay. It's a slow process. But anyway, that's not the meat of uh, why I wanted to uh, call you today. I'm currently contracting for uh, splicing for uh, Comcast. And uh, I spoke with a salesman, a Comcast salesman, and we had a good hour and a half argument about net neutrality. And I asked him why, where he was getting his information, and basically, it, <laughs> believe it or not, is higher ups. So they're basically training these people to speak ill of, of uh, net neutrality to customers if that is ever to be brought up. Right. And uh, I, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, any any time anyone has ever brought that up to me, I tell them the facts, you know, no, not what the corporation wants them to hear. Right. And as a guy but, who, who, uh, who's a splicer splitter, uh, whatever the title was, you get, you, you mentioned Timothy, uh, of fiber cable for internet service providers. What in your opinion, in very short form, please, are the facts regarding net neutrality? Well, it, it's, it's the destruction of our internet as we know it today. And the, you know, it's never going to be the same and it's going to be really difficult for, for, uh, Democrats. If, if, you know, whenever they come back into office to, to, uh, to, uh, retract this. Yeah. This, did you see uh, what Jay Inslee did today? What's that? Jay Inslee, the governor of Washington state, rolled out an initiative today that he's trying to get through the legislature that would basically force net neutrality in Washington state. That's great. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. when the federal government I fails, hope. then the states pick it up. But then we end up with a situation like we have where, where, you know, the, the, the old Confederacy states, because their states don't tend to provide services to their to their citizens in this you know the example I'm thinking of is healthcare for example you know they they cut back eligibility for medicaid and as a consequence of that if you live in the red states you're surrounded by worse poverty more grinding poverty people more likely to be sick it'll be the same thing with the internet in the in the red states they will allow the death of net neutrality in fact they'll celebrate it which means that their citizens are going to get charged higher prices for the internet and they're going to have access to fewer sites Maybe they'll have free access to Fox News all the time, you know, but that'll be it or whatever. And, right. and whereas, in, you know, people in, in blue states, in, in states like Washington State, where you've got a forward-thinking governor like Jay Inslee who says, enough already, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to subject our citizens to this insanity. Uh, you know, they're going to end up you know, with an improved quality of life. I mean, the, the, the stratification, the gentrification, essentially, of the United States on a state-by-state -state level, that is the, the, you know, the comparison of, of you, know, you know, what's the status of, 
what's the quality of life in California, Oregon, Washington State compared to Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas? I mean, it's just going to continue to get worse and worse, and this is right. another dimension of it. Yeah, sad. And uh, I, I've often wondered why cities don't emulate, uh, you know, Chattanooga internet yeah. into their own infrastructure. Yeah, well, Chattanooga did, and it's an, it's an incredible success story there. And, well, there's, and a, there's a city in Washington that also does it, Issaquah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some splicing there, and it's called Rainier Connect, and, um, and it's great. People love it. Hmm. And it's, uh, so Issaquah is a town in Washington State? Yeah. And they've, and they've set up their own uh, uh, city-run broadband internet service? Yeah, in, in, a, in, in their little, small little suburb area, yeah. Right. It is. Yeah. And, and people are getting high speeds at low prices? Exactly. Wow. Well, this is, I mean, you know, this is, this is not rocket science. If, if you, uh, conventional wisdom 50 years ago was if you want your community to prosper, you want to have an off-ramp from the highway if it goes by your town. Uh, you know, if you want your community to prosper, you better have good roads without potholes because, you know, business doesn't want to come to town that has lousy infrastructure. The infrastructure of 2017 is the Internet. And, yeah. and, and as, you know, more and more communities start getting uh, whacked by these big Internet service providers, you know, carving up their fiefdoms and jacking up their prices, we're going to see uh, the further uh, split, the further, the further increase in high-quality life, low-quality life in the United States between red and blue states. It's, it's not a good thing. Timothy, thank you for the call. Thanks for sharing your experiences with us. Great to hear from you. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with more of your calls and the news of the day right after this. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X chair want you to feel the X chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom. That's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com, and be sure to use THOM as the promo code for your $100 discount. And welcome back. Uh, Patrick, watching Free Speech TV. I don't have a city for you, Patrick. Where are you calling from? I'm in Seaside, California. Oh, great. from May Russell country. Yep. I got, I got a bunch of things I want to cover. I'm going to go fast. Uh, my questions that I wanted to ask at the end concern Dish Network, net, net neutrality, and um, donating to Free Speech TV. I did my one-man band, one band little demonstration at Del Monte Shopping Center in Monterey on last Thursday. Uh, my signs, I uh, had two double-sided signs. One read, Verizon has spent millions, I wrote the S as a dollar sign, to make our free and open Internet as close and restricted as China, Libya, Egypt, Iran, Turkey, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. 
Uh, Verizon, another sign said Verizon, AT&T, and Comcast have spent $600 million since 208, since 2008 to take away your free and open internet. The flip sides of those signs said killing net neutrality is the Trumpian road to tyranny. And the other flip side said if we lose net neutrality, Steve Bannon controls our internet news reality. Um, my questions were about uh, Dish Network. Um, net neutrality and, and also how to donate to free speech TV. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm under the understanding that uh, DirecTV is, is um, owned by AT&T. As far as I know, DISH and DirecTV are the only cable providers that uh, carry uh, Wink TV, Free Speech TV, and Al Jazeera America. But since DirecTV is owned by AT&T, I'm wondering how long that's going to last. I'm with DISH and very happy. That's my first question. My... Uh, let me answer them as you ask them, okay? And I'll come back to you, Patrick. Um, okay, but my, uh, second, my second question uh, basically is, uh, will we be able to maybe have more uh, leeway as far as going to the library than our own phones or computers? Uh, and, you know, Redshift is a local Internet provider. I'm wondering if they're going to be able to get around this. My question about uh, donating to Free Speech TV, I don't have the funds today. I plan to donate tomorrow uh, at least $360. I wanted to know, is it possible to do that package? But if I want to do the um, $1,000 lunch in Portland later, can I call Free Speech TV again when they're not having a pledge drive in, say, a few weeks and pledge again for the $1,000 lunch? Or do they break it up into 12-month segments? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I would suggest you call them uh, and, and ask them. Uh, with regard to, what was your first question again? Uh, well, it was, you know, I guess you said you already addressed Dish TV uh, as far as. Oh, yeah, I, I know, just I have no idea. Direct TV going to yeah. stop carrying Lincoln, Lincoln Free Speech? Yeah, I'd be surprised also, if that happened. Also, uh, I'm sorry. The the uh, to the best of my knowledge, the the Free Speech TV carriage on both Direct and Dish are on the channels that the these are, by the way, they're not uh, cable providers they're satellite providers that the satellite providers are required to carry a certain amount of nonprofit content in exchange for, you know, using the airwaves, uh, you know, over our country and the, and the sky and whatnot. I and, was shocked that our local librarians, the Seaside Library, I mean, I love librarians. I think they are the true Marvel Comics superheroes. And they were all over, uh, you know, the USA Patriot Act. But that was kind of easy because, you know, it was very clear that that uh, the uh, Justice Department under Bush wanted the... Uh, libraries to snitch us out but i was shocked nobody at none of the librarians at the seaside library even knew what net neutrality was much less that we were about to lose it yikes yeah well increasingly libraries are becoming places where people go to use the internet so i have a feeling that they're going to learn all about it patrick thank you for the call um and and the interesting questions we'll be right back Back, Tom Hartman here with you and Pam in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Hey, Pam, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom, I'm calling because I was, you know, I'm a Democrat and I believe that, you know, we need to work and get the progressive integrated. The only thing I was going to tell you is I was on the platform committee and we, the Bernie people, did try to get an aspirational amendment towards universal health care and it didn't pass. Uh -huh. So it was not really included in the. 2016 Democratic Thank you for that clarification. I wasn't sure because I know that on the one hand, the Democratic Party wanted to support at least universal access, which would include 
the the idea of Obamacare before the Supreme Court, you know, said individual states could opt out of the Medicaid provisions. Um, so it would have been like, let's go back to a better version of o- Obamacare. And nobody wanted to dis Obama's signature achievement. On the other hand, you know, they, they wanted to be the Democratic Party wanted to be in favor at the leading edge of that movement. And so it sounds like that was the compromise. Right. I mean, and the nurses, um, the United Nurses and National mm-hmm. Nurses, I mean, we tried, and I'm a physician, and physician is in our national health program, mm-hmm. and we tried to get it on the ballot, but, I mean, there was really more support for fixing Obamacare. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get okay. that. And, the, and there's internal politics there as well as, as money at work and whatnot. But thank you for that, Pam. Thanks for the, for the fact check. Thanks. Bye-bye. I do appreciate it. It's amazing. We've got the smartest most active, most engaged listeners in the world. I'm convinced any radio show in the world. Bernie in Ridgefield, Connecticut. Hey, Bernie, what's on your mind today? Hang on just a second. I just managed to unplug my headphones, so I can't hear you. Hang on. Hi, can you hear me now? There you go. Now I can hear you, Bernie. What's up? Uh, Great. You know, uh, Scott Adams, the creator of the Dilbert uh, cartoon strip, uh, who is also an expert at hypnotism, uh, brought up the fact he predicted that Donald Trump was going to win. And yes. part of the tactics that Donald Trump was using that Scott Adams pointed to was his labeling of all of his opponents. Uh, little Marco, uh, you know, crazy Low energy Henry, jab, or, yeah. you know, uh, lying Ted, etc. <clears throat> and and Donald Trump is, is a bully. You know, we see that. He's a liar. We know that. We know that uh, the Washington Post PolitiFact has calculated that nearly 70% of what he says is either uh, mostly false, uh, uh, false, or pants on fire false, um, and yet no one has labeled him yet. And I think that just like we had Tricky Dick for Dick Nixon. Yeah, I call him I Don the Con. Excuse me. I call him Don the Con. Yeah, I, I okay, good for you. I was thinking of discount Don's. You can take seventy percent off of whatever he says. Yeah, that's but a good one too. We need to label him, and we need to start using it so that, you know, we fight back. Not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, I don't think it would be very good for his brand, which would drive him crazy. And, yeah. and how do we popularize this? How do we get people to use it uh, so, that, so that we're, you know, punching a bully back in the face? Yeah, we, I think we just need to start using the language regularly. I'm, I'm trying to promote the idea of uh, morbidly rich as, an, as a new uh, phrase. Sort of like, uh, you know, uh, when Frank Luntz uh, did the work for the Walton family and, and reinvented the inheritance tax into the death tax. Yeah, the death I mean, tax. Right? You know, the, the power of words is amazing. And, uh, you know, and we are groaning under the weight of the morbidly rich in this country. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's just, and, and Don the Con would be another one, or Discount Don. Um, there's, there's, uh, I, I, the Don, the problem with that is, you know, he, you know, there's the mafia meaning, but then there's also the sounds like, you know, you're talking about Frank Sinatra or something or whatever. So, but yeah, Bernie, this is, this is, this is what we've got to figure it out. And yeah, so, I mean, if we don't, if we don't use it, we lose it. And, yeah. and I think we, we have to start to, we have to start to fight back and, and, and start to label him and, and utilize it, whether yep. it's Don the Con or whether it's discount Don, yep. uh, you know, let's do it. Let's use it. I'm with you. Billy in, uh, well, I don't have a city for you, Billy. It says you're listening on WCPT, though. I'm assuming, assuming in the Chicagoland area. You got it, brother. Chicago. How you doing, Tom? Good. What's up? First time caller. Um, I watched the documentary last night. Uh, I have not been able to sleep since that documentary. Which documentary? I, uh, Trumping Democracy. Is that the one that Robert Reich did? 
you got it. You listen. A big announcement to you, any Democratic strategist, any campaign, uh, uh, you know, uh, a person working on any campaign from a Democratic progressive side, you need to watch this documentary. It is extremely important. It shows how Donald Trump used PSYOPs by Cambridge Analytica, which is owned by, uh, partly owned by Robert Mercer, which is, he's a genius, whether you like it or not. The man is a genius. They use algorithms to win the election. Yep. Don't even bother say anything. Don't even try to do anything. You gotta watch this documentary. You'll understand how these people did it, why they did it. it it's it's scary. Yeah. This is over on scary. Netflix, right, uh, Billy? You got it. I uh, yes, it is on Netflix. I watched it. I closed my Facebook because a good eighty percent of it had to deal with how Facebook allows. These ads that are target specific people, where yep. this ad basically watches all my digital imprint and 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 everything that I leave on the internet, they watch it, they sell it to these to these these psyop companies, and they basically send me an ad that targets me directly. Nobody yep. else can see that ad but myself and everybody else that's listening in, and and this ad is not even true; it's fake. And what they do, they use it. They use your 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 digital imprint to influence you to change your mind. Yep. Just so you can side with them. Oh, it's That's an insanely powerful stuff. tool, and and the, and Facebook is running around going, "We're not the we're not the press," you know. <laughs> no, they're one hundred percent. They're one hundred percent responsible for this. And yeah. and if we keep thinking, we progressives keep thinking that Donald Trump is a clown, and the people that follow him are clowns. Well, I got to tell you something. Robert Mercer is the man that wrote the language that Google Translate uses. Yeah. So we're dealing with some pretty genius guys here. No, and, and his daughter Rebecca is a, is a relentless conservative uh, activist and, and you, you know, with the, with the power of a billionaire daddy. It's amazing. Yep. Billy, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening to WCPT. Thank you all for being with us today. Thank you so much for listening to the program. And uh, tomorrow, another day, we'll see where this thing goes. How many lawsuits are filed against Ajit Pai and the FCC, whether they're going to have success where we go with this. But in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us, and that includes you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.